from downtown Los Angeles, this is The City, a podcast focusing on the politics, art, and culture of Los Angeles. I'm your host, Garen Kelsong. This week, we meet S. Scott Norton of the Los Angeles Historic Theater Foundation to talk about their work and the initiative, New Broadway LA. And that's what we want to see on Broadway. There's no reason that the entertainment capital of the world couldn't have an active, vibrant theater district. And we speak again with Delante Golston of the Downtown Clergy Council about the upcoming installment of Trust Talks, a true dialogue in community building. We want people to be encouraged. We don't want people to feel powerless or like they can't participate. First up, let's check in with Escott. With the vibrant success of Night on Broadway, a lot of attention has been paid to the cornerstone of the arts and entertainment draw that is Broadway, the gorgeous historic theaters. Founded in 1987, the Los Angeles Historic Theater Foundation has been focused on the protection, preservation, and restoration of theaters all over Los Angeles, especially here in downtown. We met with Escott Norton, executive director of the nonprofit organization, about their work and what a new Broadway could look like. Uh, my name is Escott Norton, and I'm a lifelong Los Angeles native. And you are also the executive director of the... <laughs> <laughs> yes, and executive director of the Los Angeles Historic Theater Foundation. And what does the, the Theater Foundation focus on right now? Theater Foundation's been around for almost 30 years. We focus on advocacy for the historic theaters throughout L.A. County. Uh, we started in downtown. This was this was our our focus. This is the reason we formed. Uh, but we are dealing with theaters uh, in Hollywood, in uh, in Pasadena, South Pasadena, Inglewood. We're we're all over the place. <laughs> and you guys were very active for Night on Broadway. We had to celebrate uh, all those open theaters. It was something that happened specially for that event. Tell me what that yeah. event was like for you this year. Absolutely. Night on Broadway was crazy. It was amazing. Uh, we, we were part of the plan. I was on the planning committee for the entire year uh, putting this thing together. We had crews in six different theaters and... 65,000 people. That's the number they're throwing around, and I believe it because I know that there were, you know, 5,000 went through the doors of the Globe and probably twice that in the Los Angeles, and uh, we talked to all of them. <laughs> yeah, and there's also a lot of creativity and a lot of, like, cutting-edge performances and programming. Tell me about that kind of style. Do you have a lot of help into bringing what the programming is like so far? We did. We weren't involved in the programming so much uh, on this one. We actually helped a little bit more on the programming last year. Um, this year, there were some really great artists that came together and and brought in some some really innovative, uh, outside of the traditional, uh, normal theatrical kind of production. And to me, that was really exciting. I'm a I'm a child of theater. I grew up in in theater, and uh, yeah, I know all the classics. But I'm really excited about this sort of cutting edge uh, new stuff and I think that's kind of what's amazing and why I asked so I knew that you guys had something to do with it last year and kind of yeah. coordinating but it's beautiful that you can have someone else kind of take that off and the interest is there that other artists want to just do that now oh yeah people were knocking at the door after the last one we had so many people just say uh, you know how can I be involved I want to program I want to I want to fill the theater and you know we're like yeah okay great and this past weekend you met with the community as well to kind of get some feedback about how to reactivate the theaters more frequently. So tell me about that event. Right, so on Saturday the 6th, we did an event called the New Broadway Forum. And what we're trying to do is, 
what's the next step? What's the, how, how do we continue the success of Not On Broadway and, and really learn from all of the other cities around uh, the United States that have thriving theater districts? There are, there are theater districts in multiple cities with historic theaters that are active 365 days a year. And that's what we want to see on Broadway. There's no reason that the entertainment capital of the world couldn't have a, an active, vibrant theater district. We've got the venues. We have more venues here than they do in many of these other cities. We have the venues. We have the artists, obviously. We just have to put them all together. So that's what the forum was about. Let's, let's get people excited and invigorated, and let's see how we can move into activating this year round. And how do you think the responses has from the owners? Like, I mean, obviously they want to make money, but are they willing to kind of work with artists to make these things happen to help bring the programming back, do you think? We're trying to talk to all of the owners, but at this point, we're trying to build the constituency first. So we want to be able to come to the owners and say, look, we have 200,000 people who want to see shows in your theaters. We want to be able to go to theater producers, same thing. We have this many people on our mailing list who are ready to, to buy a ticket to your show. And that's sort of what's missing. We've got, a, we've got a downtown community now, which is fantastic, and they're arts consumers. But we need to show the theater producers that these people are actually going to come out and, and go to see a show. And so that's also an interesting segue, too. What do you think about the density that's forming here and the kind of power of the downtown community as it's forming now to make these changes happen in their neighborhood? Well, I think it's the missing link that we didn't have 27 years ago when we first started. When we first started, when the Theater Foundation first formed, uh, we were just about lying in front of bulldozers and saving them from being destroyed. We weren't even ready to think about activating. Uh, I mean, our charter is, allows us to produce, but at that point it was saving them. Now we have a constituency. Now we have people living here who can walk to these theaters, who, who are interested in the arts, who are artists. This is this is what's new, and this is why now we feel now is the time to to get the new Broadway LA thing going. And we also have the Ace Hotel, who's like an United Artist, and they use that theater and activate the space in there for their shows as well. Do you see any of that kind of on the forefront too? People kind of coming over and reactivating properties in different ways like that. Yes, certainly. You know, the Ace is a great example of activating a theater, but they're also activating their theater to support their hotel so they've really got two businesses going and one supports the other you know it, it's symbiotic uh, not a lot of theaters have that exact same situation so uh, you could say that the million dollar has the grand central market and there's some cross-pollinization there too they they'll do a show in the million dollar and uh, and advertise the market at the same time so in fact they just did an event where they were reading recipes they had uh, they had uh, you know, fruit critics reading recipes, and it attracted a thousand people. So, uh, so that kind of cross pollinization is absolutely doable. But the Ace is sort of unique because it's got that second hotel, uh, that second business attached. No, that definitely makes a lot of sense too for them to be able to use this secondary space. But I'm also wondering, like, as we redevelop that whole corridor mm -hmm. um, and find maybe some anchors, do you think that there's any particular side of interest that would be best suited to what you're trying to bring back? Because I understand that 
there are some physical limitations to some of the theaters as far as like full touring company Broadway shows and stuff like that. They were from an older time and some of them originally are movie palaces. So we have to be a little creative in the type of programming that we're going after. Yeah, that's true. I don't think we're going to uh, see a day where you're going to have uh, Lion King and, uh, uh, you know, what was the one with the roller skates? You know, you're not going to have the, the biggest of the Broadway musicals sitting on these stages. The majority of them were built for, uh, for vaudeville where the, the show, they were either legitimate houses or vaudeville and even the movie palaces have stages because there were there were prologues that were live entertainment so almost all of them have stages but not the size stage that you'd need for a full broadway musical but there's plenty of shows right now i think broadway has 50 something like 54 shows touring uh and there's plenty of those that can take place in a smaller stage so the, the venues are there, and uh, we're trying to get the, the shows to fit the venues. But Absolutely. They, they're, they're there, yeah. So what do you think the, the audience does now to, to help move this forward? First thing we want to do is build that constituency. We want people to go to our website and join the mailing list, newbroadwayla.com. Uh, that's, that's the first thing. We're also meeting with stakeholders throughout the downtown and the arts community. We're meeting with people who, who are business owners, who are theater producers. We want them to get on board with the concept. But this is an organic process. We're not saying this is the way to go, this is the path to follow. We're saying this is what's worked in other cities and basically every city has a slightly different story. So we're trying to take all of these and figure out the best route for Los Angeles to take. Los Angeles is a very unique city, uh, which is one of the things I love about it. You can't say whatever worked in Chicago will work in Los Angeles. Whatever worked in Tampa will work in Los Angeles. We're our own, we're our own beast. And, and because of that, let's take all this information, let's take all of the experts that we can talk to nationally and figure out what's the best fit for Los Angeles and make it happen. Awesome, that's guy. Well, thank you for hanging out with us, man. Hey, thank you very much. Eat Drink Podcast is a great way to get new ideas on what to explore downtown. Check out this quick preview to whet your appetite. Welcome to Eat Drink Podcast. I'm your host, Garen Kelsa, along with Anthony Bejarano. I'm just ready to get my chopsticks in the zone. And we're here at Peking Tavern, which is your amazing restaurant and bar. That's right. Welcome. Thank you so much. I love this place, by the way. We always call this the $10,000 dumpling because uh, we actually won $10,000 on a uh, television show. Guys, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I really feel like I can see you two young guys hanging out in Beijing, getting tore up, and now we're going to do the same thing. Cheers! On a previous episode, we spoke with Delante Golston of the Downtown Clergy Council about his work with Trust Talks, an engaging conversation between various types of stakeholders in our community. We are very pleased to have him on again to talk about the next chapter in this discussion. This is The City. I'm Garen Kelsaw. Joining me on the line now is Delante Golston of the Downtown Clergy Council. How are you today, sir? Hey, brother. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us again. And we are here to talk about the third installment of the Trust Talks. You, you know, we were on for the second version just to make sure we help spread the word. And I obviously attended this because I swear that this is some of the most important conversations that are happening in local communities today or is, is what you're facilitating. Uh, so I really want to a thank you and congratulate you for, for helping to put this on and bring this to bear, but also still keep spreading the word to the audience. 
about Trust Talks and about what we have upcoming here for the third one on February 27th. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. As a, as a, as a pastor of the community, I give all glory to God, and I'm just so grateful uh, to be able to share uh, and help to be a part of the conversation as well. Thank you so much. For those who haven't been able to attend in the past, it's essentially what you're experiencing at a trust talk is being assigned to a table with someone from a different walk of life than yours. Uh, so I sat with a police officer, someone who was formerly homeless, uh, someone in the business community, and the, the table discussion is moderated and led in a way where everyone has the opportunity to share and voice their opinions. And so did you get anything, uh, you know, concrete or feelings wise out of the, the second one that you just did, Delonte? Yes, um, thank you for that. We, we did a great, we had a great uh, team of volunteers uh, from UCLA who have been going through the data from uh, the last trust talks that we did in October. Um, and we actually had a research anthropologist from UCLA to be a workshop of some community volunteers from different community organizations that came to attend that training. Uh, and actually, um, on next Saturday, they'll finalize, they'll finish um, culling through the data. Um, the initial uh, themes that have emerged from the data uh, of the conversations uh, are around uh, a conversation around trauma. Uh, it seemed that at, a, at the last talks, there was a lot of conversation uh, around um, how the community has been traumatized uh, by their experience with the police, um, but also how the police have been experiencing some trauma of their own as they attempt to, uh, to put to police uh, mentally ill uh, drug addicted uh, and and homeless individuals. So that so that theme of trauma was a big theme that came out of the last one, as well as um, how to how do we engage in community policing around in a community that uh, has so many people who ha are experiencing either a, a drug addiction or experiencing homelessness or are experiencing mental illness. Um, so those themes of mental illness, homelessness, trauma. Um, were big, and obviously uh, the racial dynamic is is a, is a last one that um, always comes up in every trust talk, uh, both from our officers, many of whom are minority, expressing how when they're in the uniform they feel like they're stereotyped, and many of our minority officers in particular feel stereotyped when they're out of the uniform, when they've had their own experiences of being stereotyped by other officers um, uh, when they are in plain clothes. Um, so, so yeah. So that's that. Those are the main themes: trauma, mental illness, homelessness, and and race. Yeah, it's, it actually reminds me of something um, our downtown officer-friendly Dion Joseph once told me that uh, he's always been black longer than he's been a cop, and that definitely uh, you can you can hear those stories firsthand sometimes at these experiences, and it is really interesting uh, to kind of gather all of those sources. It is a it's a tremendous gift, truly, that our officers are willing to uh, come in and speak with uh, community activists. Uh, L.A. Can has sent activists, uh, uh, General Jeff uh, and his organization, Skid Row City Limits, has sent uh, issues and solutions, has sent activists and community community organizers, um, a number of uh, faith based organizations uh, have obviously been a part as. It is sponsored by the Clergy Council. The historic bid uh, has been represented at each of the talks 
Union Rescue Mission has sent chaplains and um, and leaders from uh, Union Rescue Mission as well as the LA Mission. Uh, it, it's truly, um, you know, it is as broad as as you can possibly think of. City Attorney Kirk Connect um, and other city attorneys have attended each talk. Their office was at one of our uh, is one of our sponsors that help, has helped us to bring people to the table. Um, county Supervisor uh, Helen Solis and County Supervisor Mark Riley Thomas, they both sent staff to this last trust talk, and we expect that they'll have staff at the next one as well. Um, so it's uh, it really is a broad conversation and where nobody's perspective is left out. Um, so I'm ex- I'm so excited about this next one. Uh, w- what we're thinking about um, for this next one we, w- is um, this is our third one. Um, so we're hoping to cap these off. Um, at number four, um, so that we can actually have a, 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 a process that has a beginning, has an end to it. Third one uh, will be at the end of this month, um, and this time we're actually going to be blessed to have um, the deputy, not the deputy, the director for training and education for the LAPD, Dr. Luann Pinnell, who's going to come and talk about her story. Um, and the solutions that she brings to the academy in her training of officers. And we're also going to have um, Molly Lowry, who is the founding executive director of LAMP, Los Angeles uh, Men's Place, um, that uh, does such an outstanding job at job training and finding housing uh, for men in Skid Row to share her story and the solutions that, that she offers um, so we're going to keep it going with those two things being our focus, story and solution. So everybody, as usual, is going to be able to share their story around the table. Um, but, all, but we're also going to give everybody an opportunity to talk about, okay, what, how do you participate? How are you a part of the solution to restoring and, build, and rebuilding trust that's been broken um, in our community? So I'm excited about this third one. And um, we're, uh, we hope to announce the date and location of the fourth one as well, which will take place in June. And I think that we should take a moment to kind of just reiterate the strength of the guests here that you mentioned. I mean, the Dr. Luann Pinnell is the director of education and training for LAPD, like for everybody. Like that's is she's a pretty big deal. Yeah, you know, that's right. You're absolutely right. She she's responsible for the training of all cadets. She's responsible for for the training of the entire yeah the whole shebang. She is the one uh, who was responsible for training on implicit bias, training on diversity, uh, training on emotional intelligence. Uh, she, you know, she, she, she's the, uh, the woman who is responsible for making sure that our officers are able to protect and serve uh, the community. And also Molly, kind of on the other side of that coin, you know, for long time has been uh, involved in these issues as the founder of LAMP. And also experiencing a lot of these things firsthand, story-wise, for probably understanding the trauma of both sides in some ways. So that's right. Uh, Molly has been involved. She is extraordinarily highly respected in the downtown community, and she has been a part of these conversations for decades. Uh, certainly, whenever LAPD you know puts together a commission about how to create solutions to these issues, uh, Molly's at the table. So I'm so blessed. Uh, we're so blessed to be able to have her. Uh, to be a part of these talks, uh, just to share her her story about how she got into this work and and the solutions that her work brings to bear in the community. We want people to be encouraged. We don't want people to feel powerless or like they can't participate. We want to be. We want for folks. You know, Dr. King 
uh, said, you don't need, you know, you don't need a degree to serve. You don't need, you don't need to have letters behind your name to serve. Dr. King said everybody can serve. And so we want uh, for everybody to really, truly feel like they, they are part of the solution, whether they are the head of the organization or whether they are the foot soldiers of an organization or whether it's just them being them, that they have the capacity to, as Gandhi said, be the change that uh, they want to see in the world. Um, so we want everybody to really feel a part of and empowered to uh, be a part of that change. Everybody, if you live in downtown, if you work in downtown, if you shop in downtown, if you play in downtown, if you have a heart in any way for downtown Los Angeles, you are invited February 27th, uh, 10 o'clock until uh, 1 o'clock. We'll be at 300 Central Avenue at Centenary United Methodist Church for the Trust Talks. Um, you can register at www.com trusttalks.org that is www.trusttalks.org so looking forward to seeing you all there and that's exactly why we you know we're happy to have you on as always to invite everyone in earshot who cares about downtown to come help us be a part of, of voices for betterment and voices for change delante golson of the downtown clergy council thank you again so much for joining us man at This Is The City, we strive to provide the story of downtown Los Angeles for all of our listeners, but we can't do it without you. If you enjoy our work, please consider donating on our website. It's easy to do via PayPal, and it helps us cover the costs of producing the show. You can also help others discover the show by sharing us on social media or leaving us a review in iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us this week on This is the City. Join us next time for more of the politics, art, and culture that make Los Angeles. And be sure to check out our other show, Eat Drink Podcast, for insight on what to eat and drink when you're downtown. This is the City is written and produced by me, Garen Kelsall, and my partner, Jonas Osnowski. Our theme music is by Taj Simmons. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and we're on Twitter at This is the City LA or on Facebook at facebook.com slash this is the city. Send us a message or leave a comment. Let us know what you think and what you want to hear on upcoming episodes. Until next time, be well.